Hey, welcome to the Saltiki Podcast. We're back. Our sound studio is a little bit less foam and duct tape, but still foam and duct tape. <laughs> and we would have it no other way. No other way. Don't okay. forget about the giggles. Oh yeah, the giggles. No. No giggles. Well, I will be your host this evening. My name is Ian, a.k.a. Renegade Warrior. Here off to my side is... Hi, all. I am Jez, also known as Fabricated Geek. Next to me. I'm Drake, also known as the Zombie of Drake. Next to me. Hey, this is Nate. Clever robot. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. Thanks. Thanks. Got the eye twitch thing taken care of. (laughs) That's good. For now, anyway. You're, you're, you're crossing the uh, the Uncanny Valley. Trying to. Trying to. You're kind of stuck in there, though. I know. It's it's the nose. It's the nose. Yes, just well, the nose. You, you know, if you quit going after the whole Michael Jackson model, it'd be all right. He was really successful, okay? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? Yes. No. And super rich. Yeah. He had a giraffe. Oh. Who doesn't want a giraffe? I don't, I don't want to do <laughs> You guys suck. Yeah, I do. My hate for giraffes. Stupid giraffes. They're long necks, thinking they're all cool. So anyway. So anyway. <laughs> I think that should be our tagline. So anyway. Uh, to get things started off, uh, we're going to be talking about some exciting news from Microsoft. Windows 10 upgrade. Free for owners of Windows 7 and 8.1. I guess Microsoft wants people to actually use their stuff. There's a lot of opinions I was reading. Essentially, a lot of people are just holding tight to Windows 7. Windows 7 was good. It's Windows 8 that's the problem. Well, the problem with Windows 8 is that they force you into the Metro interface. If you can get around that with various plugins, it functions just fine. I hardly ever use the Metro interface unless I have to. My thing about Windows 8 is Microsoft was trying to create one unified platform for mobile devices and desktops. But the problem is most people don't want to use a stupid touch screen with their PC. Yeah. Even if you have a touch screen on, like, your laptop, most people don't use it. Yeah. Shoehorning everyone into the same interface was a huge mistake, in my opinion, anyway. The whole Metro interface does work great on their phones and on tablets. It's wonderful. Being able to resize everything, move where you want it, it's fantastic. But that's about where the good ends. Every time I use a Windows 8 computer, my my first objective is to get to the actual desktop. Like, I want something I can use. Mm -hmm. And then having, they kind of changed up the way you used it because you didn't go into your start menu anymore. To be fair, I don't go into my start menu much on Windows 7, but it's always there. I I do a little bit. It depends if you're the kind of user that keeps everything as icons on the desktop or if you like a clean desktop. And yeah. a faster boot. Yeah, I'm a clean desktop kind of guy. Mostly, except for that stacks of games that I have. <laughs> what, 30 games long list on the top of your uh, screen here? More than that. Wow, it's yeah. grown. I think I have something like 100. Wow. Yeah, my desktop is a little bit more messy than his, but it definitely ha- does not have as many icons. 24 across and 3 down. <laughs> See here, I have 7. I have seven. Well, no, six. That's Steam. Steam doesn't count as a game. <laughs> it counts as many games. Yes. But, but, actually, I don't know but it's not anyway. actually. It's like anyway. a whole basket of games. It's a whole basket. So anyway, um, I, I think this is what brings back around here before we have a, a desktop waving contest. I think this is a smart move for them because I know I am super hesitant 
to, to shell out hundreds of dollars for a new operating system that is either going to suck like Vista or 8, maybe not 8.1. I don't have a lot of experience with 8.1. It's not that different. It's more stable. It is more stable, and they added a start menu to it, an optional start menu. That's good. That, see, I use it. I use all the time. Yeah, and, and that was part of the thing is is they had they had set up their baseline for interface for for usability where you have the start button and that gets you to your programs. Yeah. And then they completely did away with that and introduced the whole like we were saying a second ago the metro interface which brings out a whole new thing and you have to click like seven buttons. I know it's an exaggeration, but <laughs> to find what you're looking for. It doesn't Depending feel like on it. how you have it set up, sometimes more, yeah. it can be a pain. Well, and, and one of the basic theories and guidelines for user interface, it's called Fitz Law. Basically, what that, what that says yeah. is you want the shortest amount of distance between interactions. So, and, and that works really well with the start menu. You push this, the button, the start menu pops up, and you move your mouse two inches to find what you want. With the Metro interface, that's completely thrown out the door. Yeah. yeah, which again it works it works fine for tablets and smartphones because you're swiping and you're moving around, but on a desktop it just doesn't it doesn't work. So with this, I know there was some questioning in it, and I'm actually even not sure I've been able to find a good answer yet. The wording that they use Windows Great Upgrade free for owners Windows Seven and eight point one uh, for the first year. Now, does that mean that you're only able to use the upgrade? No, the the, I believe the upgrade is free for the first year, and then after that you have to pay, yeah, for, have to pay for it. Now, Meaning, does that mean if no, I download it... You're good. I'm good. I don't have to pay. I would imagine. I mean, I think it would be a complete dick move on their part to say, hey, upgrade for free, and then after a year <laughs> pay us for this. It might be, though, because if you look at Microsoft Office, it's gone to a subscription service. Well, that's yeah. that's the same so, with a lot of different things. Adobe does the same thing now. Yeah. A I lot mean, of a lot of the. Are we going to see that with operating systems? Though? I don't think so because the subscription service is largely to combat piracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, also, this this is directly trying to get people off of Windows Seven. Yeah. And if it you know turns out to be that you know it's not free and it's a bait and switch, people will see it as a bait and switch and go back to seven. But let's be honest, Microsoft's pulled worse before in the past. This is true. Look at Xbox One. <laughs> Uh, Which yeah. they eventually they uh, learned from their mistakes yeah, after, after they the public outcry. Clear them on the sh- off the shelves while no one could keep the PlayStation in stock. Yeah, yeah. that's when they finally went. We fucked up. Well, at least they admitted it and tried to do better. Yeah, it's that whole thing listening to your consumer base, mm-hmm. which, which Microsoft they, doesn't have a great track record of doing. Right, but but I think with the eight point one upgrade and then the Windows ten upgrade, I think they're doing at least effort. They're they're at least giving the effort for it to listen to their their base and figure things out. I think with uh, oh what's his face that took it over a couple of years ago, took over Microsoft and started all that Xbone bullshit. Essentially, mm-hmm. they learned that that's really not the way to deal with the market. Well, and it's it's interesting because back in the mid two thousands, I guess is what you would call them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, there was a huge court case against Microsoft in regards to Internet Explorer. Mm-hmm. And they, in the court documents, you could find where they said that they didn't care about web standards. Ooh. That they What they were going to do is that they were going to create their own web standards and everyone else would comply with those oh. and conform, which Ooh. we all saw what happened with Internet Explorer and how much that imploded and how no one... And it's interesting because with Windows 10, they're introducing a new web browser 
Yeah. It's called Project Phoenix. Yeah. And they are completely trying to obliterate the brand of Internet Explorer because it has such a bad reputation at this point. Yeah. And at this point, it's interesting because Internet Explorer, the current release, isn't that bad. No, it's, but it's it has bad. such a terrible reputation oh. that no one uses it. Mm, depends. From a, so, I recently was working support, and the most recent Internet Explorer, its compatibility mm-hmm. mode that alone causes so many issues with sites. Yes, because what it does is it renders it as an older version of Internet Explorer, but poorly. Oh like, yeah, it. Oh man, which the, the older versions of Internet Explorer. Ones would not render sites correctly mm-hmm. because they didn't comply with web standards. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I've been dealing with for years as a web designer. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. I stopped designing anything for Internet Explorer, period. Most most designers have. Developers don't really even support it anymore for mm-hmm. the most part. I think that's part of their push of <clears throat> developing something that is entirely not Internet Explorer. What, what, what was the old joke? Internet Internet Explorer is the browser that gets you Firefox or Chrome. Yeah. (laughs) Which is still what I use it for when I start up a new computer. I did that today, actually. It's awful, too, because, I mean, you have the web standards. You have HTML5. You have everything that has been codified. Like, this is what developers use. This is what exists. This is how everything is supposed to make this work. And they just throw it out the window. Yeah. Well, and, You have to have so many lines specific to if IE, then all of this extra code yeah, to try which, to make it render Which it goes back to their willful disregard for the standards that were mm-hmm. being established at the time. And and, and at the time, you know, the, the standards were several versions older than they are now. But it was it was still an interesting show of blatant disregard for what the rest of the world was trying to do and trying to make everyone conform to their own standards, which backfired dreadfully. What do you guys think of this being kind of a way to shovel uh, microtransactions and, and things like that with app stores and essentially being free beta testers? you guys think that that's their, their MO? I hope not. I doubt it because that's not what they've done with past Windows releases. Back in 2009, I worked uh, at a company that had an MSDN account, a Microsoft Developer Network account, where you could download any Microsoft product, and they released Windows 7 on the MSDN site, uh, I think it was about three, four months before the actual release of the product. And that's what they used largely as their beta test. They used actual developers. They said, you know, download this, install it, try it out, give us feedback, and they continued to solidify it and and squash bugs and stuff before the actual release several months later. And they've been doing that with Windows 10, too. I have a few friends who are developers, and they've been using Windows 10 for probably the past four months, if not more. And what's their opinion on it? They've all loved it. Everyone is so excited to switch. I haven't heard a lot of reason why behind it. I hear it's... It's usable and familiar, but it has all the upgrades that everybody wanted. Uh, it's, it's more stable. It uses less uh, of your computer's resources. It's, like you were saying, simpler to get around. So it, it's got all the bells and whistles people want, and it doesn't have all the crap that people don't. And I've been hearing a lot of good things about its ability to interface with mobile platforms, whereas before their model was, let's just make the same OS for everything, now it's let's incorporate a mobile OS into working well with our uh, desktop OS, so which I think is the way to do it. Yeah, there's there's 
apples and oranges between mobile and desktop. Well, that's the other thing, though, is Microsoft is trying to make it so there's not. If you look at their, um, what is it, the Lenovo Yoga? Yeah. And a bunch of other tablets Even the Microsoft Surface. Yeah. They're designed to function as computers, but can switch to tablet. It's going to be interesting to see where that line ends up being drawn. Well, I think it's kind of a gray line because so having the ability to say, I'm going to use it as a tablet now, I want that interface and just select it. And then it's a lot easier to browse. I think it's a lot better than forcing mouse users into a tablet interface. Yeah, which does not work at all. <laughs> no. As a just a weird query, how does that work out with like sites like YouTube where there are certain you know videos that get you know blocked when you're functioning as mobile? They usually are blocked, especially yeah. if you're doing it through an app. Yeah, it depends. The metadata is essentially what they work off of. So you can unblock... Uh, certain videos on your phone if you go through the browser as a desktop. Mm -hmm. So if you're sending desktop information, it'll assume it won't work very well. Honestly, (laughs) I'm hoping the day comes where they stop doing that. Because the fact that things aren't allowed on mobile devices (laughs) does not make sense in this day and age. No, because everybody has a mobile device and a lot of people are abandoning their desktops. Yeah. Because for a lot of things, you don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, and the interesting thing is that Anywhere from, depending on the source, anywhere from 60 to 80% of searches are now done on mobile devices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense at all to block things specifically for mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that old thing of Drake sitting right next to, like, right in front of his computer, but he's looking up something on his phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't want to exit out of whatever game I was, yeah. you know. Oh, and, the number and, of times I've done this over this past week. And you guys have seen my setup, and I can I can post a picture of it to our social media, which is I have my TV running off my computer with the game, and then I have my tablet running YouTube or Netflix, and then I have my phone running, you know, communications apps. So I'm he's literally sitting there with four screens open in front of him. Yeah, all three. Because I closed the laptop. Agreed. (laughs) Eh. Some of us just like playing on our laptop while our laptop's on our lap, and then watching TV at the same time, and then looking up cheat codes and stuff on our phone. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have my priorities straight. I should have... Yeah, that tablet, totally useless. I should have the thing (laughs) that I ignore the most, my tablet with YouTube on it, on the big screen, and the thing that I'm focusing on on the little screen. Right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Sweet. So maybe that's why you can't finish Dragon Age, is because you're watching TV. No, it's because I can't win this one fight. At least you finally killed a Drake. (laughs) Four of them. Good. Well done. Yeah, we're coming for you, Drake. This makes me nervous. (laughs) I think that wraps up this episode of Ian is having fun wrong. (laughs) Just ignore the conversation that Jez and I had earlier about how to kill a Drake. So... (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. Really, don't worry about it. You won't see it coming. Just ignore it. You're you're fine. Yep. Just ignore paranoia, it. Paranoia, reaching new highs. <laughs> you're not paranoid, you're not doing it right. Well, I, I know I'm paranoid, but am I paranoid enough? No. Yes, maybe. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. All right, so what, so... We, what we really need is you have your phone, you have your tablet, you have your computer, you have your TV, and then you slap on a HoloLens. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's get into that good segue. You like that? I like it. It was really, really good. The Microsoft's HoloLens headset. Holographic display for Windows 10. This isn't a repeat of our VR discussion from the last episode. 
I think. It's somewhat <laughs> related, but not a repeat. Yeah. Um, to try and describe this thing to those of you who don't know how to Google, it looks a lot like an Oculus, but with clear front. So it has a drop-down lens right in front of your eye that projects an image that acts as a hologram in front of you. So it's, um, what's the word, enhanced reality? Augmented, Augmented reality. reality. Thank you. You just lost cyberpunk points. Boom! Shut up. It's not VR, it's AR. It's not, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they can really call it like a holographic display. I guess it is because they're projecting a hologram in front of your eye. Um, oh. I think this thing suffers the problem that glass did, which is it's huge, it's cumbersome, and nobody's going to want to wear it in public. <laughs> For now. The difference For now. is, from what I can tell, this isn't meant to be worn and walked around and, and be an everyday thing. It's no. you sit at your computer and you put it on. It's an interface. Yeah. I'm the kind of techie geek that would be super excited to use this in my house. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the way it's designed now, I think it's a good first step, but it, I don't think it's something that I'd come home and immediately throw on. I mean, it is big and it does block your vision. What, what do you guys think? Do you think it's something that you could incorporate into your day? Uh, screw the TV, you can just have it projected in front of your face? I, As of right now, I don't see any use for it in, in my daily life or anything. I mean... I think with this, there's definitely some uses. I think with the AR and VR headsets coming up, the physical television is going to start being less relevant in our lives, even more than it is now with devices and computers. I disagree. Um, Yes, because with the AR and the VR headsets, they are designed for one user. Mm -hmm. When you have a television, anyone that walks in the room can see it. Unless you have everyone in the room with a linked VR headset or a linked AR headset, they are not going to experience the same thing you are. It's not like Star Trek where you walk into the holodeck and everybody can see it. And this is why I'm a little bit hesitant to call what Microsoft is doing an actual hologram. It might appear 3D to the actual user, but it's not going to be a 3D projection to everyone. Yeah. But it is to that user. Yes. It's it's a targeted hologram. That's where I think it's going to go, though, is so we do end up eventually getting the have a plate on the table and you get the hologram that pops up. I did a little bit of research on this, and Microsoft isn't the only one coming out with AR goggles. There are other companies uh, that are coming out with like AR ski goggles. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine planning a route down a mountain and then following holographic checkpoints. I've actually wanted those for years. Yeah. I was going to say they've been um, out for a little while. This would be amazing for cars. You know, you get in, it doesn't even have to be a headset, it could just be projected onto the windshield. Mm-hmm. Um, it could give you traffic warnings, you know, you, you can react faster, have more information at your eye. But how is that different from Google Glass? Google Glass requires that you actually move your attention away from what you're looking at to look up into the glass. Got it. So instead uh, of it being actually in your field of vision... Correct. Got it. Google Glass is also a non-3D projection. So you're essentially looking at what amounts to a tiny little screen with some information, whereas this is a full field of view augmented reality information program. <laughs> so with the ski goggles, like I mean, I would love that. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. You could also imagine, I know soldiers use them already. They've been implemented for years in the, the future soldier programs, being able to get uh, situational awareness through the roof. Especially so, for like aircraft and stuff like that, too. Oh, it's aircraft absolutely... has been using them since the 80s. Yeah. I mean, just targeting everything like that. Even 
the flatheads up displays in aircraft that since what World War Two, Drake? Uh no, since well, the end of Korea. The end of the Korea. The end of the okay. Korean War. I think that if they can miniaturize it out a little bit, this could have some serious positive benefits. Mm-hmm. It's that same problem that glass has. It's big. It's ugly. Nobody wants to be wearing a camera around looking at everybody. It's yeah. kind of a problem. Well, and that's why, you know, in, in the sci-fi and in the cyberpunk stuff, you, you've got glasses, glasses or contacts or a cyber eye or something yeah. that doesn't look make you look like a jerk. Yeah. Well, and I hear a lot of argument against glass of people saying, well, I don't want somebody with a camera strapped to their head walking around talking to me and looking at me. But if I had my phone in my front pocket it's not with any the camera different. facing out, it's not any different. they don't care. And nobody's going to think twice about it. Yeah. So really... I think the problem is is miniaturizing that camera down to where it's not noticeable. If people can't tell if you're wearing prescription lenses or if you're wearing uh, glass, then that's where the technology is going to take off. That and the affordability of it. The affordability, of course. With the Google Glass Explorer Edition ranking in over $1,000, I was actually excited to shell out a few hundred bucks. I was thinking that they were going to meet their price point of around 300 to 400 I would have totally tried it out for that. For over a thousand? Nope. <laughs> but with these AR goggles and stuff like that, the price point should be a lot cheaper because they're not trying to make it into its own smart device. It's just a projector. It's a peripheral. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it for that subject. How about we take a break, guys? All right. We'll be back after these messages. See you soon. Just let it be silent for a second. All right, welcome back. Today we're going to be getting to the meat of our subjects, the fantasy, sci-fi, whatever, character tropes. And oh, are there so many of them. So many of them. This will probably become a series where we talk about tropes, how they're used well, how they're used badly, kind of just explore characters, ideas, settings, stuff like that. I know Nate's chomping up a bit. What you got? The Chosen One. The Chosen One. It's a very common trope in so many things. There can be only one, Neo. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that Sean... When was Sean Connery in The Matrix? (laughs) There can be only one? Really? The Highlander. Yeah. (laughs) What? But Neo. But Neo? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. What kind of fanfiction did you write? The awesome ones. (laughs) He's shipping Neo and McLeod. Oh, whoa. Whoa. I bet you Neo would love to jack into his Matrix. (laughs) So anyway. The Chosen One. (laughs) Now that our brains are all collectively broken. (laughs) Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Glad I could help. Uh, But yeah, it's it's a very common trope. Um, You see it in everything from Harry Potter to, I wouldn't really say Lord of the Rings counts, but it kind of does. You had a bit of that going on with Aragorn. With Aragorn, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Take up, take up your mantle. Take up your sword. Yeah. This is your destiny. This is your destiny. Yeah. Your destiny. Legend of the Seeker is 
all tropes. Um, it's entirely tropes. With sci-fi, Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker. Um, the Matrix. Uh, of course, The Matrix. Also, uh, Tron mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is a good example of the chosen one, or at least the one, the, the only one that can do a thing. Yeah. Heck, in Fallout 2, your character was literally named <laughs> the chosen one. The chosen one. <laughs> wow. At least they weren't trying to hide it. So, I'll tell you what, I've... I'm actually uh, I kind of like the trope, if done well, and done yeah. well is using the the character who is the one to advance the storylines of the others, not there, necessarily to dump plot on. There are places where it works. There are places where it doesn't. If you are in any sort of cooperative storytelling, be it LARP, tabletop, whatever, yeah. if you come in with a character who is the chosen one <laughs> who's not an NPC everyone just kills right out no just don't I have actually I a character that I've wanted to play for quite a while is I, I have wanted to play a chosen one yeah but I want to play a failed chosen one somebody who was the chosen one there's all kinds of prophecies about him about how he's going to save the world he went out on his quest and he blew it and he didn't fulfill his destiny and he failed and so now there's this whole stigma about this character because he sucks and he was supposed to be the chosen one and he didn't and because he failed at his destiny or what the prophesied destiny was, whatever it happened to be, that bad stuff happened. That's the character that I want to play. Yeah, and see, this is how you do tropes well is you take it and you twist it. But that's yeah. also with most game design. If you're taking something that's well done, you go, yes, and, or yes, but. Yes. There always has to be something else there. Um Drake was actually talking to me about an interesting chosen one trope. I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was essentially they sent out the message to a lot of people that oh, they are yeah. the chosen, chosen one. one yeah, lottery. Yeah, no, this, this was um, you may already be the chosen one. <laughs> Scratch off to win ten thousand chosen ones. <laughs> this this was a uh, the the idea was that there was some you know magical princess locked in a tower somewhere who was sending out you know. Uh, dreams to all these people that they were the chosen one and that, that they must come rescue her. And of course, the twist is going to be that when you get to the tower, you know, the door's been kicked in, all the monsters have been slain, the princess is nowhere to be found because, you know, the guys who came by last week rescued her. And <laughs> so everyone is the, it, it kind of goes back to the ideas <laughs> if everyone's special, no one's special. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's move into a LARP setting really quick because I've, I've explored how to actually use this trope effectively in a LARP setting without uh, getting anybody but hurt. There's two ways that I've figured out that you could do it. The first way is the chosen one is not a PC. Mm-hmm. Straight up. <laughs> I have an I have an issue with that. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be. An issue. But no, my just you know from a game runner's perspective and having GM'd and, and run LARPs and stuff for years. Yeah. Um, my problem with that is if you have an NPC who is the chosen one, it takes the focus away from the players. Right. And the players are supposed to be the main characters of the story. Right. And if you take the focus away from them by making an NPC the chosen one, then it kind of steals them of their victory. Now. Um, or it can, if not done right. Here's another problem with it, though. I, just sort of implicitly, if you have the chosen one, typically it means there's some world-shattering event that they are there to stop. Yeah. World-ending plot. Yeah. Trope which number is another two. trope, trope which two. we'll get into. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I've thought about that. And, and the way you do this is, over the course of the campaign, 
the chosen one is unable to act. So the group is working towards the end goal of either resurrecting, helping to become alive again, whatever, whatever it is, ending the entrapment of the chosen one. So the story isn't about the chosen one. The chosen one's story happens after. See, what what you've done is you've changed the chosen one into a MacGuffin. I have. Yes. Yes and. Yes and. <laughs> okay. And the other way requires all of the PCs to understand part of the plot before they start. And that is a lottery. It's a, a sh- chosen it, one lottery. Yeah. So it's a it's a short-lived campaign. I can't imagine this would last years, but you do you do a lottery. Somebody's going to be the one. So it's like a murder mystery. Kind of. Yeah. So somebody's who's the, gonna be... who's the chosen one? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> it's not me. Is that... What's behind door number two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everybody goes in knowing that they may or may not win the special super awesome. They may or not become role. the MacGuffin. Yeah. So I don't know. Those are the two ways that I've figured that it could work. There's another thing you could do with that. Yeah. Make it a the one that no one wants to be. It's like the one that needs to go throw himself in the volcano yeah. to save the world. So everyone's fighting. It's like, no, it's him. Dude, it's him. <laughs> not me. I don't know. I ended up here on accident. Not me. It's him. See, that Just... leads into that leads into another uh, The Chosen One trope, which is uh, the martyr, which is the chosen one must die, much like Neo. It's not something you see a lot, though. No, yeah. I mean it, it does. It does come up, um, but especially when we're talking about tabletop or LARP or some sort of interactive setting, yeah. nobody wants to be the character whose end goal is to die. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's just not something that people do. Yeah. I mean, some people do it, and that's great when they do. But yeah, I, I was uh, I was laughing about a story last night about a guardsman in 40k who was, oh. was from the um, planet Krieg, and um, they are super loyal to the emperor. And don't care about their lives at all. And basically, this guy, his, his method of, of dealing with a psyker <laughs> that attacked them was to body tackle him off of a five-story building, pull the pins on, on his grenades on the way down, and, you know, basically land into a crate full of mortars. Oh, God. <laughs> and that's, then... that's like having, that's another trope of having spikes on the wall. Spikes on Whenever the there's wall. spikes on the wall, you know somebody's going to get impaled on it. Yeah. Why would you have a crate full of mortars at the bottom of a building? <laughs> Just curious. Just to drop a guy into. Duh. Why are there haystacks everywhere? Why are there haystacks? Because. Yeah, well, it's, it's <laughs> because realism in games. I'll, I'll, I'll oh. tell you what. I'll tell you what, Jez. <laughs> I know why I put haystacks everywhere. Because when the assassins come to kill me, they'll fall into the haystack that I have put spikes in. Is it on the wall? <laughs> No, on the ground. Oh, okay. In well, if we're talking on the realism here. It doesn't matter if you put spikes in it or not. Okay. They're probably going to break their neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not that soft. So, the one. What do you guys have any other ideas of how, how the one can work. be used effectively? Brainstorm session. Well, so in Fallout Two, you were the chosen one, but you were chosen by your tribe's chieftain. You know, it was not. It was not that you were some super mythical chosen one. It's there were no prophecies about you. Yeah, well, there, were, there were no prophecies about you, and and basically your job was to go out and basically get them a. Um, clean up the wasteland kit mm. a garden of eden kit but that's that's more of a chosen one by default or chosen one by 
common consent. Yeah. Not not necessarily. You were an elected one. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You, were one. you were chosen. Well, you were you were the one. You're that not made it through the. Uh, you're not the chosen of... one. You were just chosen. You, mm-hmm. you were the one that made it through the temple of doom filled with traps and you know giant. Uh, so you were chosen because of your ability or because yeah. of your accomplishments. Yeah, you were chosen because of your ability. Yeah, it was not I... you know chosen because. Hey, look, you know this kid is the seventh son of a seventh son. He must be chosen. Yeah. He's looking forward to that movie, Seventh Son. It's going to be awesome, isn't it? I'm going to sit back and you know <laughs> watch trolls smash things. Wow, Drake's going to turn his brain off at a movie. That's a first. I'm a little shocked. No, he won't. <laughs> it, it I will sit there Pacific screaming. <laughs> that's true. I did. I did mostly turn my brain off for Pacific Rim, but that's because I knew it. I knew going in what Pacific Rim was going to be. Robots versus kaiju. Robots versus kaiju. And you got what you wanted. And I got what I wanted. I got robots versus kaiju. I even got something better. I got Ron Perlman wearing those awesome gold (laughs) shoes. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. So so what do you guys think? A true chosen one trope is what what is the chosen one trope that makes you face palm hardest? Prophecies. Prophecies. Anything involving prophecies, especially in a lark. Hmm. This may just be going back to a previous campaign I played in at one point, and I was the only one not part of the prophecy, because I came in way too late. But, oh Um, man, prophecies. And this leads into a LARP problem, which is the special butterfly problem. I'm playing a LARP character, say, and I don't understand that I'm not a special butterfly. I'm not a super awesome snowflake. Snowflakes must not be cool anymore. Not cool. Uh, uh-huh. Oh god! <laughs> that is the sound uh, of face bombing. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> our, our new catchphrase. So, how do you get around a player thinking that they are the special snowflake? Kill them. <laughs> I mean the character. The character usually is that it. How well has that worked for you with any of the characters you've tried to kill recently? I haven't tried to kill anyone recently. Yeah. I <laughs> never mind. Okay. Certain <laughs> special snowflakes that should have died, you didn't kill when you had the chance. I was trying to be nice, all right? I was trying to be diplomatic and give him a chance. Well, still, I think the question still stands. I mean, how do you help prevent that? I think one of the good ways is don't give your characters a a sense of power that nobody else has. So mm-hmm. don't say, if you do this, this person will come and destroy this town. Because even though the, the outcome is negative, you have given them the power to destroy that so town. Much, so much of what it has to do with is the scale of your plots. Yeah. Uh, if you're dealing with small localized scale of things yeah there might be some villain or whatever who has bad intentions for a specific town and if you don't do something the villain's going to come in and stop it that's one town we're not talking about a nation or a world or something and if you're looking at the scale of something that can really help to rein in the player's expectations this goes back to the world ending plots and it's really funny to watch with one of the current LARP campaigns that's going on out where we are Because there is no world-ending plot that will ever happen in this campaign, which ends in, like, what, six months, roughly? And the PCs can't get that through their head. They think they are the saviors of the world. 
they don't realize they're just a group of mercenaries who go around and have been messing things up everywhere they go. They've had the chance not to, but they have chosen to basically make the worst possible decisions everywhere. And there's not going to be any world-ending villain. There might be some huge things that happen that affect the world, but it's nothing they can stop. It's politics. It's stuff that has been in the making for the past 50 years in this world. There is no stopping that. It's things that will change the face of the world, but it's not going to end the world. No, and I mean, look at the real world. That's just how it works. You have world wars, you have coups and riots. Things happen, things change, and people make a difference, but not a worldwide difference. Well, and as, as a game runner, I make sure that I approve characters' backgrounds before they even come into game. And if yeah. somebody's like, I'm the chosen one, I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> let's, let's try that again. Even better, someone coming into game, you know, as the servant of a king in some land that has no kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened. Some, somebody Sir, tried that. I'm Sir Hootie Doo of Bloody Blah, and I have served him for 30 years and this and that. <laughs> and like, I have really? all but... of these accomplishments as a level one character. Yeah. As I a... said no. No. <laughs> I flat out said no. Now, I like Nate's idea of a a failed chosen one, or or even playing a character who is a former chosen one, even a succeeded chosen one. But I think that works better as an NPC even. Really? Yeah, because, again, you can't play a level one character who has all these accomplishments. Unless, unless... You can make backstory things that will make that work. That's true. Or, what if the chosen one accomplished everything as a child, like a child star? Ooh. Ooh. Childlike chosen one. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're they're this child who accomplished everything by the time they were eight... And have spent the last 10, 15 years... Living off fame. Living, living off, off their fame. fame. Maybe now they're drug addicts and, <laughs> you know... Maybe, maybe they've gone the route of so many child stars. Yeah. Now and that... so they are a former cho- a former chosen one, but it's no longer the tropey... Oh, I might be ripping that off for my next character. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of character That's ideas. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Another interesting idea for a chosen one would be... You were the chosen one in the future. And I say were the chosen one in the future because the end result was that you traveled back in time and stabbed this, you know, one poor artist somewhere in Austria. (laughs) And now your job is to just sit there and twiddle your thumbs. So, so you have an overinflated that brings in time travel plots, and that's something oh, that's that, always oh. messy. That, that's also the entire plot to Ocarina of Time. Just <laughs> Another idea that mm-hmm. I have for a, a success, successful chosen one character is a person who believes that they are the chosen one. Mm-hmm. They are completely delusional. There is no chosen one, but they think they are. See, here's the thing. Delusional characters... It has to be the right player. Yeah, you need someone who can do that responsibly. Yeah, and not just come across as a jackass or a complete idiot. Mm -hmm. I think there's a question of ego and humility. Yes. If you're going to be playing a character that does actually have that kind of importance in the world, you have to really understand that it's just a character and you have to be distanced from it emotionally. You have to really understand the bleed, the the emotional yeah. bleed, because that's something we need to do an entire segment on is bleed. I plan for on it, actually. people who are not familiar with the term. It is 
knowledge and emotions that you have going into your character and vice versa. Yeah. So you bleed in and bleed out. Yeah. But going back to these these character ideas, I think if you're if you're gonna play this character, you're gonna face some problems. The first one is gonna be animosity towards your other play, uh, from your other mm-hmm. players because you are a special snowflake and they're not. And that automatically causes some bitterness. And then it will. And it... and whether or not it's actually happening, and this is why I would perceived. I would avoid yeah. it. Yeah, perceived. Because um, perception is reality, just yeah. in life and in gaming. And the GM would be accused of favoritism. Yeah. Whether or not it was actually there. Well, and I've had it's just It's just a whole bag of cats that you just want to avoid. Well, and I've... I've had characters uh, recently who had this problem, uh, perceived favoritism, perceived that I was uh, running under different rules when I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference was is my character background was wholly unique, especially it was in this world. different world coming to this world. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, you were also I was on plot for this, yeah. but. You are also lower skill point yes. than a lot of the players there. On purpose. And they However. still got so mad. <laughs> However, perception. Perception. Again, mm-hmm. I played, years ago I played a character who was never any higher. I, I, I wasn't able to play that often mm-hmm. because of distance issues yeah. and travel and whatnot. But I was usually at least a third <laughs> of the level of anyone else that was playing. But no one knew that. Everyone thought I was one of the highest level characters yeah. because of the perception, because right. of how I played the character. Yeah, and I, had, I had that happen too. And and I was talking to somebody later, and they're like, so what, what level did your character get to? I was like, 13. They're like, what? You were only level 13? I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's as high as I ever got because I couldn't play that often. Yeah. Was this Terranor? No, it was no. Danthos. Okay. My, mine was Terranor. Yeah. Knowing that there could be some perceived uh, issues with this character... I mean, this is something that you have to take on yourself. I encourage the GM, if anybody had any issues or questions, my character sheet and background, completely available to anybody. <laughs> anybody can look at it. Anybody can read it. And that's something that I think helped. I don't think anyone issues. even took them up on that. I, I think the fact that the offer was there yeah. was enough. I do remember I talked to him a few times about a couple of people that came up wondering... You know, is he is he a PC? Is he an NPC? What's what's he doing? You know, and then he just explained to him, he has a unique background. He is a PC running under the same rules. So. Well, and this comes back to people expecting everyone to be completely equal yeah. as characters. Anyway, I mean, look at the archery you played in the same <laughs> game. Yeah. Who again, lower skill point, but because bows are hard to shoot. Like, yeah. you don't get damage off quickly, so they are powerful. Yeah. And everyone's screaming, it was so unfair, and just, ugh. I was fine with it. Yeah. So was I. <laughs> Even when he was shooting at me. Yeah. Shields. Well, that's... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Shields. Well, and, that, and that's what it comes down to, is if you are going up again, and this is getting way off topic. We are but, getting a bit off topic. But, but the, the, the thing is, you need to know what you're fighting. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, you're not going to go to a gunfight with a knife. You're not going to go up against an archer unless you're really good dual wielding. It's just <laughs> it's just stupid. Yeah. Well, and I don't think this is too far off topic um, because it kind of brings it around. You got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. As a GM, as a story runner, whatever you want to call it, as a player, 
you got to know what you're getting into when you start entering into these kinds of plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, chosen ones specifically, I think, bring up the biggest issue. Special snowflakes make for butt hurts. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's go into another trope, too, with specifically with characters that people make, and some fantasy literature as well. I'm an orphan. Mm. Or just tragic backstory. Yeah, tragic oh my backstory. god. So many tragic backstories. I mean... It's kind of a thing. Anyone who makes a character your first character will lie. Would they start adventuring or going off and doing this thing? They have no connections. Yeah. Everything is awful. Yeah. Yeah. But then people keep doing it and keep doing it. And yeah, there's more to character histories than my life is awful. I made a character several years ago where adventuring was his day job. <laughs> Literally. He had a family. He had kids at home. He'd go off, do his adventure. He'd get paid and go back home to his family. That was his life. His yeah, life, awesome. his, his parents were still alive, he had <laughs> brothers and sisters, his little village was happy, everything was good in life. Nothing terrible had happened in his history at all. Yeah. He had a normal upbringing. He, he was just, he was a good fighter, and so he hired himself out as a mercenary. It was his day job. Yeah. That's kind of similar to the character that I've been playing recently. Her backstory, it's a little twisted, because her culture is really weird, but... Yeah. She came from a happy family, and she went off on her pilgrimage, and that's when start stuff started getting really messed up. <laughs> like, up until the past year, everything was great, and now everything is falling <laughs> apart and awful, but that's not backstory. That's just because of a whole bunch that's, of really bad That's choices. character development. Yeah. yeah. There's a difference. There's, There's a, a big difference. difference. Yeah. yeah. One of my most favorite characters, his parents are all but unkillable. They're chosen ones. Kind of. Yes. The pumpkin fools are chosen ones. <laughs> they chose themselves. Um, self, uh, self self-appointed chosen. Self-appointed chosen. Self-appointed chosen. Yeah. Well, again, he ended up self-appointing himself as the protector of that, you know, mm-hmm. well, first tower and then village, and now I guess it's a country. Yeah. Um, and that's character progression. I mean, you want to become special. Yeah. You want to have that special snowflake. The best way to do it, do it in-game. Yeah. yeah. You have something that gets you there, but it doesn't have to be awful. Yeah. Like, maybe you just need some money. Yeah. Everything was great, and then you got into this really bad debt. Yeah. Whoops. Well, and, and you know, there there can be tragedy in a backstory and have it not be tropey. Yeah. You know, orcs came and murdered my family, and now I hate all orcs. So original. <laughs> goblins did the same thing, and now I hate goblins. So original. You know, or, or whatever happens to be. And that's um, just, X killed my X, and now I hate X. X mm-hmm. Or whatever. X killed my Y, and now I hate X. No, and now I hate Z. Now I hate Z. <laughs> See, now that's Orcs original. my family. I must take revenge against the giants. <laughs> <laughs> because they paid the orcs. Um, yeah, see? That okay. <laughs> yeah. A little bit better here. Uh, one of my characters, I had something of a Chosen One backstory put in, but it was something that I never expected to see in-game. Uh, my character, Teth, my surly half-elf mercenary. Uh, <laughs> was he brooding, too? Uh, in the beginning. Okay, just yeah. checking. Yeah, when I was a teenager, because everybody goes through that brooding roleplay phase. Brooding is cool. Brooding is cool. It's not. It's, <laughs> brooding is not a good character. No. Oh, quirk. brooding is oh, one of those beginning character mistakes yeah. along with multiple personality disorder and a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. we can get into next. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but just, just really quickly, 
The reason that I think brooding is so bad for a beginning character is that you sit off in the corner and you brood. <laughs> and you don't get out there and talk to the other characters where the plot is. Mm-hmm. And then you at the end of the day, reason. you're upset that nobody tried to be friends with you and you don't come back. Right. Mm-hmm. It's pointless and, and yeah. a waste of your time and a waste of everybody else's time. Yeah, don't 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 play a broody character as your first character. Don't be straighter. Don't be straighter. As much as you want to be that sexy, just don't do it. <laughs> want Grow to into be that. M. M. You grew into it. I grew to, ouch. <laughs> I know uh, in high school. <laughs> so this character, I, I I wrote in kind of the chosen one thing. His family was a cursed line. So he has this sword that he has well, he doesn't have to carry around, but he, he carries around that holds the souls of his fathers all the way down, and it's meant to use to destroy some great evil, right? Super trophy. I never expect to see that come to fruition in game, ever. It was just there to give motivation and depth to the character. You know, I yeah. never I never expect to see it. Done. I mean, if, if the GM decides that that's something they want to do personal plot-wise, that's fine. Because the cursed sword trope never comes out. Not a cursed sword. Cursed <laughs> lineage. His family was cursed, not the sword. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shut up. Yep. We can, we can Whatever. talk about this. That was amazing and you know it. We'll get into that later. <laughs> so much on that. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it was amazing and you know it. But it it's a way to incorporate a, a little bit of motivation into your backstory. Oh, absolutely. Um, and as long as you understand that GMs maybe aren't going to pick up on your backstory and run with it and do exactly what you wanted them to do with your plot. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. That's This is more of a public service announcement. <laughs> if you put something in your backstory or don't put something in your backstory, that is your choice. Is as me. soon as you turn that backstory in, it is no longer in your hands. Yeah. When plot tells you this is what happens and it's not <laughs> something you wrote and you decide to ignore it, Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Stop staring at the mic. You're going to burn holes in it with that fire in your eyes. Can. Looks like a kill, man. Right? If only. You're going to need some new electronics after this. <laughs> but really, like, this comes back to a specific other trope, amnesia. Uh, as everyone's heads go to the desk. Yeah. But I did it quietly. Yeah. <laughs> If you're gonna say, I don't want to come up with my own backstory, here, Plot, do it for me, and Plot actually goes and puts in backstory, don't say, well, I don't like it, so I'm gonna pretend it's not there. <laughs> it's it's not what I wanted them to come up with completely on their own. Or, you know, <laughs> talk to your Plot team about it, or your GM, or whoever, and just say, hey, this isn't quite what I was thinking, this is more what I was hoping. Even that would be better than just flat out ignoring it. I I made a character, it was a a tabletop character several years ago, who did have amnesia. He had amnesia from the time before he was 12 years old. He was now an adult. Mm -hmm. So he had all of his adolescence and adult years Hmm. as a character, but he didn't know where he came from originally. But that didn't matter. It was a little juice to hand to the plot and say, here, do with this what you want. You can work yeah. up some origin stuff and work in some interesting things later. But I had a fully formed character to play with. He had he knew people. He had a name. He had skills that he knew where they came from. <laughs> you know, he, he was could a, speak English yes, fully? Yes, he was a fully common. formed character. But he just didn't know. Basically, somebody found him washed up on a beach when he was 12. Before that, he has no idea where he came from. But that didn't really matter, because that didn't influence who he was as a character See, and how I played him. That sounds like Will Turner. Kind of, yeah. D- washed up, 
found in the middle of the ocean, has a necklace that's taken from him, doesn't remember much of his past. Mm-hmm. One of my characters ended up having amnesia due to plot happening to him in Whoa. game. Yep, so, I remember that. Yeah, so he That's lost... a hard thing to play sometimes. It was challenging. The, the metagame trap there the is meta pretty... Trap. It actually got to the point where I would myself, as a player, forget uh, what happened. Bleed. <laughs> I'm bleeding forget. Like, yeah, uh, see, this is a problem that I'll have when yeah. you know something out of game and your character doesn't, and so you play on the safe side. Like, even if they should have figured it out by now, you still go, they probably don't. Yeah. Yeah, amnesia, you can do amnesia fairly well. You guys are right here? I'm a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're having a conversation wait, wait, in what, gestures. What are we talk? Who are you people? <laughs> Who are you people? Wait, what? Uh, uh, well, a plan yeah. how to kill Drake is in effect. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. This happened a little sooner than we were planning. Well, and a variation on the whole <laughs> chosen one theme, yeah. chosen one trope, is the Mary Sue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mary Sue's. Oh, Mary Sue's. Go, oh, Jess, go. Okay, okay. I have a story here. This okay. is a campaign that happened a few years ago. My character, she had a slightly tropey backstory. You know, curse was on her. She was taken from her family. But that was going to be it. She was just a fairly normal character besides that, except for the fact that the plot team turned her into the Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not your fault. Yeah, no, it wasn't fault. my fault. But every problem was, could only be solved by her doing the thing with the big plot stick. <laughs> that's and obnoxious. It was so obnoxious. And I felt so bad, too. Because I there was one thing I did to put myself in that position a little bit. I was the only non-human character there. I was playing a half-elf. And so I was the only person this dead dying king would talk to and he gave his lands to me and from then on out it just became i was the only person who could do this i was the only seer when Mm. ian was also playing a seer in this game (laughs) who had the correct vision (laughs) powers to wield this thing and destroy the world oh man it was was so crazy and i felt so bad The fact that you became not only a better seer than me, you became a better ritualist than yeah, me. Yeah, and was rituals the, weren't the my ritualist. thing either. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's one giant mess. You got given the staff that he would have, you know, literally killed hundreds of people to avoid. Oh no, I took that staff. That staff was mine. I ripped that off that vampire. <laughs> Dude, I designed that character with a skull staff. That staff went in for me. <laughs> that that I was okay with. That was about it. That was a very weird parallel character design yeah. that we both came up with at and the same time. It was sad, too, because our characters got along so well. Yeah. Yeah. Aw, I miss his Logiat. <laughs> well, you were, you were supposed to be the seer, and I was supposed back. to be the ritualist. Yeah. And you ended up being the seer and the ritualist, and I ended up being the whiny. I, I was also the seer that no one listened to. Hey, guys. Hey guys, I just had a vision. We're gonna be under attack soon. No, don't open the door. Don't open the. And now we're under attack. I listened to you. The yeah, prophecy. You were the only one who did. The prophecy that no one listens to. <sighs> but it wasn't like long-term <laughs> prophecy. It was this is gonna happen within the next hour. We're screwed, guys. So as as far as I'm concerned, when building characters, when writing characters, whatever. Tropes can be okay, yeah. as long as you adapt them and and make them less tropey. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, use your tropes responsibly. That's a good way to put it. And when yeah. I'm when I'm doing characters, I try to think. And I know this is a crazy idea, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. I try to think what a real person would be like. Yeah. What? I know, okay. I know. So throwing back to something Ian was saying with curses, you have a backstory you need to tell now. And how that trope came into play. Yeah, that was... Oh, geez, that's a long story. Um, So... My character, Braum. Yeah, th- this character has had a ton of tropes just shoved onto him. That's I mean, pretty true. much. Well, he also came in game with a lot, but a lot of them were tropes that were broken. Yes. Yeah. Broken tropes. Well, and I think that's that's just it. you got to make it your own. Um, okay, so so here's my character. Okay. Basic rundown of my character is he is a barbarian. However, the barbarian culture that he comes from is not your typical barbarian culture. We, we thought of them more as the noble savage. They were intelligent. They were yeah. interested in history and storytelling and all kinds of stuff like that. One thing that they do in this culture is to go out and prove their merit, however they do that, whether it's making blankets or hunting elk or however they do it. And They're doing something well. Yes, doing something well and telling a good story about it. Mm-hmm. So in the process of my character, Braum, going out and earning his merits, he ended up um, rescuing this girl from a tower. She damsel was in distress. The damsel in distress. <laughs> um, but what had happened was she was, and this may come as news to some of you who don't actually know this part of the backstory, but I'm going to say it anyway. She had been imprisoned by her father who was siphoning off her magical energy for his own use. So she was a prisoner in this tower. Under duress, she was his illegitimate child. Um, he killed her mother by throwing her into a fire. Anyway, <laughs> oh, he's n- not a good guy. That's brutal. Uh, um, so my character sneaks in there. He hears this story about this damsel in distress and thinks, I'm going to break her out of this impenetrable fortress, which he does. She is completely taken by him eventually, and they fall in love. They're going to get married and every- everything. But they end up fighting off this witch who in the process, turns this girl into a sword. And it curses him saying, you have to use her to kill 10,000 souls. <laughs> and once that happens, the curse will be broken. So that's where I came into game as this character with this cursed sword that, that I had... explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I had to kill 10,000 souls with. Yeesh. And it didn't, if, if I used another weapon, it didn't count. And my character could kind of feel this countdown going as he went through. Yeah, countdown. That's totally what he was feeling. The final Not the cancer it was giving him. Yeah, which is another thing. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit bitter over stuff that has recently happened. Hey, easy on the bleed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's the story behind the cursed sword. He had the sword he had to kill 10,000 things with. And there was always a question, is, is a skeleton alive? Is it, yeah. Is a golem alive? Do those count or do they not count? And it was, it was always kind of a gray area. And so he ended up becoming this murderous barbarian in the hopes of breaking this curse that had been inflicted upon him. That is a bit of a chosen one, Wayne, because you're, you're the only one who can save her from her imprisonment now. Which is funny, because he wasn't the one who saved her. A bum. The intervening chosen one. <laughs> Max? Yes. Wow. Yeah, intervening chosen one. Intervening Mary goes. Sue. Intervening Mary Sue. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Also, the 
popular PC? Well, the weird child trapped in the old man's body was well, oddly endearing for a it, while. It's the PC that everybody likes. Mm-hmm. It's the PC that everybody's PC likes. I didn't like him. <laughs> everybody but Drake. Because well, Drake's an asshole. He was literally a heartless bastard. Who? Drake. Drake's character? Yeah. He's undead. Well, yeah, I know. We had so, we had some very very amusing conversations. Hey, we did. Hey, we did. <laughs> undead can have feelings too. Oh, I know. I'm totally <laughs> pro undead one. rights. It's okay. You know my character's undead, right? He's a lich. Okay, I thought you were talking about Ren. And just realized no, you're no, talking no, no, about no. Darius. No. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, which which character? Let's play a oh, character roulette. So anyway, what I was saying a minute ago yeah. <laughs> is use tropes responsibly. Twist them enough so they're not quite so tropey. And you can come up with some really successful character ideas and character concepts. But if, if you just pick a trope and run with it, it's going to be tropey. And you're not going to get a lot of, very much fulfillment out of it. Just be creative with it and mm-hmm. you can get a lot farther with it. It goes with anything. Tropes are a place to start. They should not be your finish. I was yeah. reading a book once on character development. And the concept was uh, take your idea... And then go a, a step further. Mm-hmm. And then take what you get there and take that another step further and keep going. Because if you do that, the, the more steps you get removed yeah. from the initial concept, the more original it's going to be and the more deep your character is going to end up. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how I create characters is the first thing I decide is what kind of weapon loadout I'm going to want to use. Uh, and that's purely a game sense. Do I want to be That's an a archer? Thing. Do I want to be in? Do I want to use a bow for the next six months, or do I want to use a sword and board, or do I want to use magic? And then after that, I pick an archetype, and then I start diluting that archetype as much as I can. Yeah, and I think that's also one difference when it comes to character design that we have, because Ian and Drake both are very. Let me get the mechanics down first; they'll come with the backstory later. Yeah. And Nate and I are the opposite. <laughs> everything is backstory. Do I have to put mechanics on this? Ugh. And then we spend six months crafting a costume. Well, I usually start with yeah. some idea of what the character is going to be. Yeah, but but, but I, do, I do prefer to make my mechanical side first. Yeah, I, and, I and, and then I like making stuff that would fit with that sort of character, you know. I, I, I'm not going to play a character who, you know, <laughs> really knows how to fight well with a polearm who came out of a wizarding school. Because, you know... <laughs> what? Failed wizard. Failed wizard. He was only really good at using the staff. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of games staff and pole arms are the same length. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, That's going to be an interesting. An- another fun topic we're going to have. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are heading up to Alliance Seattle to see what the typical American LARP is all about. Yeah, what we have here in Utah is a little bit atypical. Yeah, a little bit. A lot. Depends on the what you're talking about, the yeah. game that you're talking That's about. True. All right, guys. We are just about out of time. Um, we do have an email set up, so if you have listened to this, you have some suggestions, some praise, or some not praise you want to heap up on us. It's called uh, criticism. Things you want to hear Shut us up. talk about yeah. and argue about. Things you don't want to hear us talk about <laughs> or argue about. Yeah, I mean, we want to hear from you. You are our audience, and you're... Pretty much the only reason we're doing this. And we don't want to be Microsoft. We don't want to be Microsoft. We will listen. 
So hit us up a line at uh, saltygeekpodcast at gmail.com. We are also um, in the works of getting a Facebook group up. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Sounds good. You guys got anything personal you want to pimp? Any projects, tumblers, anything like that? Um, my projects have been all over Tumblr recently, uh, fabricatedgeek.tumblr.com, and I have this epic barbarian outfit that I've been working on for the past four and a half months now. Most of that has been just the headdress, but it is almost near completion, so. Sweet, I look forward to it. I've been seeing the progress, and this thing looks pretty badass. Nate, you got anything you want to pimp? Uh, No. Sweet, great. <laughs> um, I've been working on this commissar outfit. I'll be wearing it at Fan X next week. Well, this week, tomorrow. What's your What's your Tumblr so people can follow you? Uh, Zombie of Drake. Zombie of Drake, all one word. All right, people, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Salty Geek Podcast. Bye bye, y'all. Bye bye. Bye bye.